Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number five of Before I Was a Mark. I am your host, Sean Kidd, and this is a Pod Blast series that I go back and watch three matches per episode of matches that took place predating my wrestling fandom in 1986. Um, kind of going back and watching some matches of folks that I discovered later in life as I became a wrestling fan and gradually learned about them. So it's kind of like a historical wrestling lesson for me um, to learn about wrestling, past matches, maybe share a little bit of insight with you guys as well to share a little bit of things that I looked up as I looked at these different matches um, and just talk about those. So tonight, as always, I have picked uh, three different matches from three different times. Um, as we jump into it, I do want to apologize for the last two episodes that I did. Uh, to your transparency, at the time that I recorded those, I was pretty sick and I recorded them back to back. Probably not the best idea in the world, but um, was trying to knock them out. But anyway, let's jump in and write it into episode number five. So the first match I'm watching tonight, um, I have learned to really like Nick Bogwinkle kind of on this journey. And over the years, going back and watching some of his matches, I think I've said it before on the show that I feel like he's kind of a predated, pre, predates a Ric Flair for me in terms of his, you know, healed him in terms of his, you know, presence. Um, and one of his biggest feuds is, is with Vern Gagne, who, of course, everybody knows owned the AWA and... Um, eventually was the owner at the end of the AWA, but he always kept himself in the title picture. Some would argue Vern was probably a mark for himself and stayed in the title picture too long. But this match tonight is between these two men for the AWA World Heavyweight title. It takes place in Minnesota on February 10th, 1979. As always, you can find all the matches I talk about on this show for the most part, either on YouTube or on the WWE Network. But for tonight's context, all three are on YouTube. So a little bit of a history lesson here. Nick Bockwinkle. Uh, had been in the AWA since 1970 and held multiple tag titles, but won his first AWA title from Vern on November 8, 1975 at the age of 40, which is pretty insane. Uh, Vern, at this point, was still active and would go on to win the AWA title one more time in 1980. So uh, Vern still going strong here, also not the youngest wrestler in the world. Uh, this match was taped, actually, for Japan TV, so the commentary is in Japanese. And at this time, Bobby Heenan is managing Nick Bockwinkle. Um, let's see. So we start off, uh, with a, he, oh, the other thing I would, uh, uh, basically in this, uh, Vern always looks, already looks 65, but in reality it's two weeks from 53. So, um, almost 53 years old at the time of this match for Vern Gagne. The AW title, um, is awesome looking. I've always liked the AW title. Very big, very regal. I've always loved it. Uh, Nick gets a full Nelson to start that Vern quickly drops and kicks out of. Uh, Vern slams Nick and uh, does multiple on drags. Nick then bails and hugs Bobby. Uh, Vern, looking pretty spry for 53, moves pretty quick, moving pretty good. Uh, Ganya gets a nice arm leg submission hold and keeps dropping his leg on Nick's head. Uh, Vern unloads with chops and forearms, then back to mat wrestling and pin attempts and submissions, which was some really good stuff here, guys. I really enjoyed this. Um, always like when the mat wrestling and submission attempts um, look legit, and it looks really legit in this. Uh, Nick comes back with kicks and choking. Some stiff knees. Vern fights back with some punches. And there's a nice chop off the rope for two. Multiple body slams back to back. And then he misses a, a knee drop. There's a figure four by Nick. And he wraps his leg around rope and attacks it. Uh, then he misses a drop onto the leg and hits Matt. There's a back drop by Vern. Uh, there's a weird headlock spot by Nick. Seems like he wasn't sure what to do next. So it looked a little out of place. Uh, Vern black, uh, blocks a pile driver with a backdrop. Vern charges Nick who catches him. And they stumble over the top rope. They get back in. Vern gets a sleeper. He, uh, Heenan gets up on the apron and Nick grabs him. Or I'm sorry. Heenan gra uh, jumps up on the apron. Vern grabs him and pulls him in. 
Uh, and then Bobby attacks Vern, and ref calls for a DQ. Uh, Vern kicks Bobby's ass, and he drops like a savage top rope to his face. Like, literally, he like, it was a savage knee, and then he ends up bleeding like a stuck pig, and it looks like he's gushing. Um, I enjoyed this match quite a bit. Uh, one for the Matt and submission work. Uh, the NDQ was crap, but Bobby uh, Heenan, I mean, I, we've seen him take some really bad beatings um, in the 80s in the WWF, but uh, he took an absolute ass whipping. And I've never seen him bleed like this. Um, if this is, I mean, this is just amazing. Um, and, I, if, and I'm thinking to myself, this is what you get in his 50s. I would like to see more of these two in their prime. Uh, Vern, at this point, uh, apparently has dementia as he seems to forget a DQ is not a win on a title change. So, he is very, very angry in this. So I went uh, three and a quarter on this. I probably could have gone a little higher, uh, but I thought three and a quarter was a nice little ending game here. Um, just, again, these guys being as old as they are, and I should say old, but being the age they are and what they put in here was great. And uh, Bobby Heenan, just, again, watch this match. If you want to see a blade job, Bobby Heenan here just absolutely bled everywhere, and the knee he took from uh, Vern was absolutely sick. Uh, but yeah, I have to. I did go down a little bit because of the DQ, which in some of these E2 matches, as I go through these, a lot of these have non-finishes, which take them off a little bit, but still a pretty cool match um, if you want to go watch these two, um, Vern and Bachwinkle. So good match, three and a quarter star for me. Um, didn't like the ending, but some really solid wrestling, and Bobby Heenan is just amazing. Uh, second match for tonight, we are actually going to Japan, and this takes place on November 26, 1982. Um, I've really... It, Really liked going into Japan here in the history of the show and then just wrestling in general. Uh, because, again, it almost seemed like Japan was like the all-star place where a lot of the famous wrestlers from the different territories ended up coming into Japan and intermingling with each other, tagging with each other, um, and just putting on these matches. Unfortunately, in some of those, we also get non-finishes because when they go to Japan, if they work for a rival promotion, the rival promotion obviously doesn't want their wrestlers to lose, which is probably something Japan is a little guilty for in this era. But anyway, this match is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, and I believe this is Mark Youngblood, versus Bruiser Brody and Stan Hansen. Now, this is an interesting match for me because I've seen a little bit of Steamboat and Youngblood, um, you know, as I've watched some early um, NWA, as, as I've gotten ready for NWA Crock and Roll, which is another podcast I do on this feed. But it's interesting to kind of go back and watch and just kind of, you know, see their different matches. Like Steamboat, I'm used to again in the 80s where, you know, 85, 86, 87, where he was really big in the WWF. Um, and I really got into him in the angle with Savage where he got his uh, throat hurt by Savage, which, um, again, was, you know, one of the main angles that really got me into wrestling. Um, and really, really just, and by the way, this isn't Mark Youngblood, this is Jay Youngblood. So if I said Mark, I apologize. Um, but anyway, Steamboat and seeing him in the early NWA, like right now in some of the watches, there's a place on YouTube, um, that talks about, um, 1984, the year of change. And it's kind of documented on YouTube, which is kind of a cool watch. And Steamboat's in that where you see him win the U S title, you see him, you know, him and Slater have a feud. Um, and then he goes on to feud with Tolly for the TV title before he leaves for the WWF um, in 1985. So I've really enjoyed going back and watching some of Steamboat stuff. Um, Jay Youngblood, I'm still not that familiar with him. Still, start, still trying to get my head wrapped around really who he was and uh, things that he'd done. Uh, Bruiser Brody, don't need to say anything. And then Stan Hansen, 
if you listen to any of the other podcasts I do, it's particularly YouTube and Roulette, Stan Hansen has absolutely turned into one of my stiff favorites. But these are the between these two teams. It's from Japan, November 26, 1982. Uh, Steamboat and Youngblood at this point had held the NWA tag title twice. And we're with them. Um, uh, I think they would win him again um, in 1983. Hansen and Brody teamed often in Japan and elsewhere from about 1974-85. They are multiple-time U.S. tag champs and also um, PWF tag champs in Japan, which they held for 461 days. So, again, kind of learning this history of Brody and Hansen. I didn't realize they were a solid tag team. Steamboat and Youngblood I did. Um, when it comes to Hansen, um, you know, I'm used to him having, like, I, I mean, I know he's been, Terry Gordy was one in the 90s, like, so Brody and Hanson as a tag team. Um, pretty cool here. Um, so we'll jump right into it. For This is from one of the Japan Tag League events that Japan always did. Really good pomp and circumstance at Japan, which I love. They do this really well. Um, Hanson and Brody just look like a Haas team. That would absolutely kill you. Uh, Brody and Steamboat start um, with a few tie-up and standoffs. Hanson tags in and nails Ricky with an elbow. Jay tags in, is slammed by Hanson, um, picked up and thrown to the ropes and get a stiff back elbow from Brody. Then a Brody drop kick and backbreaker. Heels tag in and out and work over Jay for a while. Steamboat tags in and is met with a running knee to the face in the corner by Brody. Then he's taken outside and clobbered with a chair. Then Steamboat chops him, grabs chair and clocks Brody himself. This is basically pure chaos as all four go outside the ring until Steamboat gets back in the ring. Um, he hammers Hanson with punches and chops. Jay tags in and Hanson having none of his shit. Um, he does a drop kick and a suplex and an elbow to the back of the head. Brody dun- uh, Brody's in and he dumps Jay upside down in the corner and beats him up. Hanson in with a bear hug. Brody's in with another bear hug. There's really great intensity in everything that's being done by the heels. Um, and they just take turns killing Jay. Uh, there's a great leg drop by Brody. Sick chops by Jay to Brody sent him to the corner of Steamboat. There's a tag. Steamboat gets bounty punches and chopped to the gut. Hanson tags in and Steamboat fires away with chops on him. Hanson reverses in the corner and does a running knee to the face. Uh, the heels then take turns beating up Steamboat. Uh, Rick, uh, Rick gets chops to the face and chest. Um, and then Jay tags in, um, and he attacks Hanson. He's a big ball of fire. Uh, there's tags by both. Steamboat and Brody go at it. Steamboat gets a drop kick. He tags Jay in. There's a double uh, chop off the rope that echoes throughout the arena. Steamboat slingshot Jay into ring on top of Brody, but Brody, Brody's knee clocks him in the face. Brody gets a tag. Destroys Jay with a lariat by Hanson for three. Um, literally, guys, this is one of those matches where it just didn't stop and it went guardrail to guardrail. And I felt like I needed a cigarette after this one. And it was great, just balls to the walls, nonstop stiff action. Japan tags are so chaotic sometimes, especially when Hanson is involved. And you add Brody to the mix and you get my kind of style. I, I went three and a half on this tag match. <coughs> Again, you can find this on YouTube. I highly suggest you go back and watch this one. Um, again, it's hard to really, when you're doing one of these watches and you're writing down things about the matches and trying to keep up with the matches, Japan just tends to be so chaotic. Um, and it's just hard to keep up with. So hopefully I did it justice, but again, another really solid, solid outing here. So three and a half stars. Uh, if you get a chance, go back and check this one out on YouTube. Our third and final match tonight. I am going to go revisit Jerry Lawler again. Um, I, have, I think it's been documented. I haven't really been that impressed with uh, Jerry Lawler on this podcast. Um, I've watched a couple matches with him. Uh, the match with Randy Savage that he had that I was really looking forward to just really didn't excite me. And, you know, I I don't think I've really watched a Lawler match yet where I've gone, wow, you know, I can really see, you know, he was a big deal in Memphis. I can see why he's a big deal in Memphis. And I just... Haven't found that match yet, and I think as I do this podcast, I might 
try to continue that journey to really truly see if I can find that. But um, I haven't found it yet. So let's see what we got in this one tonight. So this one is from Nashville and it takes place on October 12th, 1985. We are also going back to the AWA. Uh, this will be Rick Martell, who I have liked on this. If you remember, I really liked the High Flyers match. Um, that uh, The High Flyers versus uh, Martell and Santana match that I've documented on the show. I really like that. Um, I think I went four stars on that one. A great tag team match. But this is Jerry Lawler versus Martell for the AW title, Nashville, October 12, 1985. Uh, Martell won the title on May 13, 1984 for Jumbo Saruta. Lawler, obviously a Memphis staple and would often challenge for the AWA champs on their Tennessee loops. Um, and, it, and it held the AWA Southern, uh, the Southern title, International and NWA Mid-America titles at this point. Uh, Lawler was constantly in the title picture. It was always a stop for the champion. Um, obviously, he didn't actually win the AWA title until uh, he beat Kurt Hennig for it when Hennig went to the WWF in 1988. Um, and then you had that whole thing with him and world class, the unified title, which was all a big mess. But um, this is still three years away from that. So we'll probably see more Lawler AWA title matches uh, because I think I have it mapped out where I have, um, I think I have a match, maybe a match or two with him against uh, Nick Bockwinkle. That's way, way down the pike. But anyway, this is him versus Martell. Uh, Lance Russell and some other gentleman um, whose name I did not catch was on commentary, but it sounded a lot like Mike about Mike Graham. It sounded like Mike Graham, and um, I've been on shows where I've talked about Mike Graham, where he's just very blah, very lack not lackadaisical, but just tries to be like supermarked that he knows everything, and that's really what it felt like. Um, of course, Jerry on his way out is cheered. Uh, Rick Martell is booed. Uh, Jerry gets a quick small package, which clearly angers Martell. Then he does a backslide that does the same, then a roll up. Uh, these are good, intense pin attempts to start with Martell clearly playing the heel and getting frustrated. Uh, Martell uh, finally gets a bunch of knees and punches, but is back dropped out of the corner by Jerry. Lawler heads him off at every pass, which continues to piss Martell off. Uh, Martell, really good at signs here. Uh, heel Martell, if you remember his model gimmick, uh, some good signs here in terms of how he is as a heel. Crowd starts Jerry chants, which again, continue to piss Martell off. Lawler's punches look really good. Martell kicks Lawler down and goes to work on Jerry's leg. This goes on in various degrees for a while, then goes into a figure four until Lawler escapes to a rope. Martell does not let up on the leg, though, with a spinning leg lock. Lawler kicks out multiple times, but Martell gets right back to it. Lawler keeps fighting back, which is great. He looks like a fiery babyface, just really trying to get, um, you know, kind of get his act together. As Martell is absolutely relentless on the leg to keep him down. Commandary definitely points out Martell working out of characters in terms of how aggressive he is, so I really like that. Lawler finally escapes and starts going to town with right hands, but misses a fist drop, and Martell gets right back to the leg at the 15-minute mark. Um, Martell misses an elbow, and then all of a sudden, uh, straps come down, um, and then he just wails away at Martell. Fantastic-looking punches. I will say this, Jerry Lawler, at least back in this time frame, has really, really solid, great-looking punches. Uh, crowd is hot for the comeback. Um, he, gets a second fist, uh, he gets a second rope fist drop multiple times. Um, he stands Martell up and he runs at him, but Martell sidesteps and the ref goes down. Martell hits Lawler with a boot and covers, then goes to get ref, but Lawler gets the boot um, as ref coming to, and Martell um, hits, I'm uh, sorry, and then Lawler grabs the boot, hits Martell, and covers him. Ref rings the bell. Announcer says Lawler won, but ref gives it to Martell for the DQ on the boot. Uh, Martu, Martell attacks Lawler, but Lawler hits him uh, with the boot, and then Martell bails. Um, quite the dusty finish here um, over an NWA crock and roll. I see a lot of these type of finishes. <coughs> Most recently, I saw this finish. Um, I believe it was at the Crockett Cup between Dusty and Flair. It was similar with Tommy Young and the boot whole thing. Um, this one is interesting. I like to start with Lawler meeting Martell at every turn. 
I actually like the story with Martel working over the leg. My issue so far in this, and pretty much in every other Lawler match I watch, a few show, is that he just doesn't seem to do much but punches. Um, and you don't get much out of him about punches. You get great babyface fire and something here and there. And I get why people are into him when he has that fiery comeback. But all I've seen him really do is punches. Um, and I still want to see more out of him. But the crowd was still hot. Martel looked really good on the offense and playing the heel role um, while on a face run at this time. But um, could definitely see um, some being down on this with the amount of limb work and Jerry's punch only offense. But I actually went a gentleman three on this. Um, I actually enjoyed this quite a bit for various reasons, but I would kind of go out of my way and check it out and kind of form your own opinion. So not a bad watch for uh, today's episode. Again, um, we had the first match, which I think I went three and a quarter on. The second match, I went three and a half on. This one, I went a gentleman three. So three really solid matches here. So um, not a bad run, not a bad watch uh, for tonight's episode. So with that, um, that ends this episode of Before I Was a Mark. So Please check me out on other podcasts. Uh, my main podcast is NWA Crock and Roll, which I do with Scott Shiflett, uh, Dr. G, and Colin McDougal, where we really go through the history really, really in-depth um, on Crockett uh, wrestling from April 85. Um, and we plan to run it through December 88. Um, as of this recording, uh, we have just started our May 86 watch. Um, which again, May is kind of the pre, there's a lot going on in May. Crockett Cup had just ended. Um, and then they kind of did a reset in the last week of April. And now all the reset from April is going into May. And actually this will lead into the great American bash 1986. So, um, we, that pod drops twice a month and we really, really go in depth with the history, um, and matches and the feuds and the promos. So if you really want to dive into the historical content, for a really, really great period of time in wrestling, which, by the way, is the time in wrestling I started watching. We really go along and document that really, really well. So please give that one a listen. Um, it's one of my favorite podcasts to do, and from historical context, uh, we definitely do a lot of research to make sure we get everything in that makes sense and really help you take you for the ride in Crockett. So please listen to that. Um, other ones that I do, uh, YouTube Roulette, which, again, kind of inspired this podcast a little bit that I do with uh, Scott Shiflett, Logan Crossland, Matt Souza, and Jacob Williams where we pick four random YouTube matches. Usually we don't pick them until the day before. Some might pick them um, sooner, but we pick four random matches and it could be from any point in time in wrestling. Could be modern day wrestling, could be wrestling in the past, could be any time. And that's what's great about the show is that we kind of watch it and then we just kind of rate them and then see what's in our top five, our bottom five. That's a really fun pod to do. Probably one of the funnest ones to do for me just because it's a live watch show, no notes, and we just talk about it on the fly. Um, and it's kind of like a Saturday night at the bar shooting the shit with the friends, but you're watching wrestling. So really give that one a listen. That one's been really good. Um, as of this recording, um, again, I record these a ways out. We are getting ready to record episode number 13 next week. So or, I'm sorry, episode number 14. But by the time you hear this, it would probably be dropped a long, long time ago. And we might be into like 15 or 16 at this point. Um, and then the, uh, the, other, the, other, the other things on the f- feed... Um, again, go uh, Highway to the Impact Zone. You can find me on. Again, that's a really great chronological watch. We do live watch with Jacob Williams, Logan Crossland, myself, Matt Souza, Ben Locke, and, um, and then Lewis as well. Um, we alternate. But anyway, we are in 2005 TNA. Um, as of this listen, uh, they have just done the Sacrifice pay-per-view. So uh, really, really give that one a listen. That one's also a really fun kind of, hey, spend a Saturday night with your buddies watching, like, and we don't record on Saturday night, but just think about hanging around, watching wrestling with your buddies and just shooting the shit. Um, that's kind of a scenario we do that with that one as well. So 
Um, and then there's all the other great wrestling shows here on the wrestling feed. You know, the NWA Saturday special looks at current day NWA, uh, the original uh, PTBN podcast uh, that's on every other Monday. Um, through the Lucky Glass, um, you know, Wrestling's Chicken Salad, which, you know, I was a member of, but unfortunately due to time commitments and, you know, personal life, I've had to drop out of that as well. Um, over on the pop feed, you can find some great stuff on the pop feed. Um, at this point, we should be jumping into Stranger Things and uh, the boys should be back and then Miss Marvel's coming up. So, uh, and then let's not forget, uh, Obi-Wan, is, there's a lot, a lot of things coming up here over the summer. So hopefully... We'll be able to cover all that in some form or fashion and figure out how to do that as well. Um, again, at the, at the point of this lesson, we might be through all those things, but I still wanted to take the opportunity to uh, <coughs> really plug them. Uh, also, listen to the North-South feed, um, where JT and Chad and Aaron run that feed over there. A lot of great wrestling content. You can also find uh, Jennifer Smith, Jenny Position stuff over there as well, so please give that one a listen as well. And um, Also, uh, the new, no, the new uh, 90210 NOSO feed, uh, just launched with Tim and Jake, or I'm sorry, Tim, <laughs> Tim Kappel and JT have separated that from NOSO. So it kind of has its own, you know, little feed and vibe where they go back and do the historical watches, um, uh, talk about 90210, which uh, for many of us is kind of that great classic show that we grew up on. I've been a guest on there a couple times and um, it's a, a really fun show to watch and a really great chronological watch that they do with uh, different guests appearing and talking. So Give that one a listen as well. So with that, guys, um, I am Sean Kidd. I appreciate you listening to this show before I was a mark. Um, I will be back with episode six where we will talk three more wrestling matches um, that I have not watched um, that predated my historical context of wrestling watching. So I will talk to you guys all then. And again, thanks for listening. Very much, very much appreciated. Thank you, guys.